0: to do. I want each of you to step forward and take one of these Borders bags which contain the four books we're going to read this semester. All
1: right. <laughs> They're
0: very special books and they each remind me in some way of each of you. <laughs> but before you take the books, I want you to take one of these glasses of sparkling cider and I want each of you to make a toast. We're each gonna make a toast for change. And what that means is, from this moment on, every voice that told you you can't is silenced. Every reason that tells you things will never change disappears. And the person you were before this moment that person's turn is over. Now it's your turn. Okay? Okay. You ready to get this party going on? Oh, oh, that's what? what? It, man. That's the deal?
2: Man, I have a boyfriend since I was like 11, you know? <laughs> I believe Shut up. <laughs> okay. Well, I was always the person that was going to get pregnant before I turned 16 and drop out. Like my mom. Ain't going to happen. Nobody ever listens to a teenager. No, everybody thinks you should be happy just because you're young.
0: And they don't see the wars that we fight every single day. And one day my war will end. And I will not die. And I will not tolerate abuse from anyone.
2: I am strong.
1: My mom's kicked me out when I got jumped into the gang life. But I like her to see me graduate. I like to be 18.
2: Miss G. Carry something from my diary?
0: That'd be great. Who
2: was he? He's been with us his freshman year, fool. What's his name? I don't know. The summer was the worst summer in my short 14 years of life. It all started with a phone call. My mother was crying and begging, asking for more time. I said she were gasping for her last breath of air. She helped me as tight as she could and cried. Her tears hit my shirt like bullets and told me we were being evicted. She kept apologizing to me. I thought I have no home. I should have asked for something less expensive at Christmas. On the morning of the eviction, a hard knock on the door woke me up. The sheriff was there to do his job. I looked up at the sky, waiting for something to happen. My mother has no family to lean on, no money coming in. Why bother coming to school or getting good grades if I'm homeless? The bus stops in front of the school. I feel like throwing up. I'm wearing clothes from last year. Some old shoes and no new haircut. I kept thinking I'd get laughed at. Instead, I'm greeted by a couple of friends who were my English class last year. And it hits me, Mrs. Gerwald my crazy english teacher from last year is the only person that made me think of hope talking with friends about last year's english and our trips i began to feel better i received my schedule and the first teacher is mrs girl room 203 i walk into the room and feel as though all the problems in life are not so important anymore i am home
1: Man, there was a lot going on in that movie, particularly at this scene that made me want to show this to you. All kind of dynamics going on wrapped around the human dynamic of relationship. Like the intentionality of the teacher. She used her platform as a teacher to speak into the lives of students. She wasn't teaching English in this scene. She was teaching life. But she used the platform God gave her to purposely speak into their lives. Another was her acceptance. She embraced this group of students right where they were gang life, homelessness, abuse, etc, and taught them that the difficult situations that they were facing or the poor choices that they had made didn't need to define their future. She was speaking into the life of these teenagers. Another was Hope. She inspired these students to imagine themselves beyond the circumstances. Think about it. When that young man began to read from his journal, he was talking about one of the most difficult experiences in human existence, becoming homeless. And yet, based on what he said, he said, can I read from my journal? Then this is the line that I wrote down. He said, I looked up at the sky waiting for something to happen. Then it hit me. Mrs. G was the only person that made me think of hope. For a few moments today, I'd like to suggest that what we saw in this scene is an example of what it looks like to serve, or as Jesus put it in Matthew 5, to let your light shine. To let your light shine. There are two things I want to share today in this message. And the first being, you need to recognize that serving people is Christ-like. Serving people is Christ-like. I have no idea whether this teacher knew Christ. But what I do know is how she interacted with this group of students was Christ-like. She interacted with them, and you can see both empathy, you can see love, you can see concern, and you can see a very intentional effort to change the trajectory of their life. That was the whole theme around a toast for change. In Matthew 5, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a light stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In John 8, Jesus said, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. The question I ask myself when I read that is, Is Jesus the light of the world or are we his followers? It's a question that I think is a normal question because I read that on one hand, the Bible is saying Jesus said we're the light of the world. On the other hand, Jesus is declaring he's the light of the world. So the question we have to ask is which one is it? Today, I want to suggest that it's both. It's not an either or question. The truth be known is that the reason that we become the light of the world is much like the moon reflects the the sun of the light. The moon is not a source of light. The moon is just a reflector of light. And just like the moon reflects the light of the source, God is calling me and you to reflect the light of his presence in our life. We are supposed to be light in the environment that we're in. But we can't be light If we're not available, listen, here's what I want you to understand why God wants all of us to be light, because light helps people see. Verse 15 said it gives light to all who are in the house. That word for light comes from a Greek word that's phos. It means to shine or to make manifest. Light does things that we all know about, but we don't all think about it. Think about this. I don't know if anybody in this room has been naive enough to go caving other than myself. Some things I won't ever do a second time, but I've done some stuff in my opinion that like, why did I do that? But I went caving one time and they make you go into this space and then they turn off all the lights and you're way underground. And then they turn on the smallest of lights and in that vast darkness that is surrounding you, the smallest of light dispels all the darkness. All of a sudden, what you, could, you couldn't see, your hand in front of your face, you could see. Because that's the impact of light on its setting. It dispels darkness. Think about it. How many times have you walked through your house, as familiar as you are with your house, with all the lights off and run into something? Now, I know none of y'all have been like some people I know. You kick your foot in something and you start speaking in tongues. I'm going to use that, elder, because I want to be respectful. But that ain't necessarily the way it always comes out. But the point is, you in a setting you know without light run into stuff. It has a negative impact on us. Verse 16 says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The implication is that you and I can't be light in isolation. We don't get to be in isolated lifestyles and be light representing or reflecting the presence of God in our life in isolation. We do it in relationship. It infers that we're going to be with people. People can't see God at work in us if we're never with people. And the people that need to see light ain't always the people that know light already. The people themselves supposed to be light. Sometimes you need to be with your cousins. I know you got some. All of us got some, right? And some of us hoping and praying they don't come to the family reunion. Lord, please don't let so-and-so come. I had breakfast on Friday with a group of men. We call it Seven Black Men. Right. And all of us are connected to ministry in one way or the other. And one of them pastors a significant sized church in this area. And so he was coming back and we were asking about his family reunion in Las Vegas. And he and so we asked the man, did you see your brother? Because there's one brother, everybody in the family like, please, please. And you got to understand, this brother told us he got 17 siblings. I was like, my God, your father was a rolling stone for real. But here's the thing. Sometimes we don't want to be around those people, but it's those people that need to see light and they can only see light in relationship goes to the second thing I want you to see you need to recognize that serving people reveals God serving people so so there are all kinds of people that I watch in our worship experience that that I, I i I, I just get marveled by i actually get enriched by for example I, i i i so appreciate cedric on these drums now i appreciate all the musicians but i especially appreciate cedric and if cedric's not here i purposely notice it because of his unique style of playing now here's the point cedric enhances for me my worship experience Cedric is using the ability God's given him to do something that every one of us benefit from, but most of us don't pay much attention to it. Before today, I did not know Cedric's name until I discreetly went over there and asked Mark, and that's shame on me. Because I sit in worship service every week, thoroughly enjoying Cedric's ministry on them instruments right back there. That's what it looks like, y'all, because it has an impact on other people. Beloved, it is possible to serve God in seemingly insignificant ways and bring glory to him because you're impacting somebody else's life. That's why I wanted to show that scene, because Mrs. G, in that scene, changed how these students saw themselves, which results in changing how they would live. If there's one thing God wants from everybody in this room, it's for us to be available for him to change another person's life. Now, I know we all sang that song earlier, and we were all very available as y'all were singing that song. Boy, we some available people when we singing that song until there's something needed to be done in the church. And then we have short memories. I'm not too available for all of that, you know. Pastor wants you to do X, Y, Z, and you're like, man, I ain't doing that. You know, I'm not, mm-mm, mm-mm. Listen, it's one thing I want to argue. The most important ability that any of us has when it comes to serving God in his kingdom is availability. It is the most important ability when it comes to serving God. It's availability. I could try all I want to, in private or in public, to sound like Mario singing a song ain't gonna happen ain't gonna never happen because how god has gifted him is not how he's gifted me and what he's called me to do ain't what he called him to do as much as i would like to do it like him but it's important to understand that it's only when somebody makes that available to god do we reap the benefit of it we reap the benefit of mario's uniqueness every week because he makes himself available it's important to understand it, and here's where I want to take you. Think about this. The very first thing we see Jesus starting to do in his public ministry was telling people to follow me. Follow me. Think about it. Mark chapter 1, Jesus called them out. The Bible said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. I don't want you to miss this. Because it's hard to follow Jesus and do your own thing at the same time. That's what the Bible shows us Jonah doing. Jonah was a prophet of God and God came to Jonah and said, listen, I need you to go over to Nineveh. I need you to talk to these folks. And Jonah heard God clear as day. But the Bible says Jonah went in the absolutely opposite direction. He didn't go anywhere near Nineveh. And we all know how that worked out for Jonah. But the issue that I want you to catch is that, what was Jonah's motivation? Jonah knew the will of God, but Jonah had an issue with the folks that God wanted to speak to. Now, I don't know who those folks may be in your life, but God will use us sometime to speak into the life of an enemy. And the real question is, can we still sing that song when we get to that point when God is tapping us, saying, hey, say this to so-and-so, and so and you sing, singing, Lord, I'm available. No. Some of us are like Jonah. Man, I hear you, but no, talk to the hand. I ain't doing that. I really don't care if that person go to Hades. That's a respectful way of saying it, Elder. I really don't care if they go to Hades. And in that moment and in that place, we are in direct rebellion against God. In that moment, God cannot use me for his glory in that moment when I won't do what God is telling me to do. I'll never forget one day in my youthful years, early ministry years, I had just left corporate America, broke as I want to be, right? I left corporate America as a corporate executive, the youngest black executive in this firm's history. They never replaced anybody in that role with somebody black. So I got that role at 32. I was like, that was my calling. It came with money. It came with perks. It came with authority. Ah, that was what Jesus wanted me to do. And God tapped me and told me to go work with them kids in the projects full time. And I was like, that ain't God. <laughs> I've been poor. And I'm from the hood. I don't need to go hang out with them. But God tapped me. So one day when I actually did this, I went out there. I was praying every day down by the lake, right? I would go talk to the Lord before I go into the projects, y'all. I wasn't from the projects. I went into the projects every day. And for those of you old enough to remember Cooley High, that's the neighborhood I went into every day. I volunteered in a local high school. I went into that housing project, and I started ministering to families in that housing project, right? My mother thought I lost my mind. She said, baby, you didn't go to college for that. You ain't from the projects. You from the hood, but you ain't from the projects. That's a different level of hood. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's different levels. Some of us from the third war, we always say, we ain't from the bottoms now. We from the third war, but I ain't from the bottoms. Well, get it. At the end of the day, the question is: can God use you? I'm at the beach, I'm praying. Talking to the Lord, right? Because I had to go in the neighborhood. It was all kind of stuff. You know, part of what I became was a missionary, and I don't know if you understand this, but if you ever hear anybody talk about being a missionary, not in the black context, but in the global context, you have to raise your money. So I quit my job with a constant paycheck, lost all my benefits, lost my new company car I got every year, my cell phone that they put in my car in the 80s. I lost all of that to go work with these kids in the projects that grew up like me. And I'm at the beach praying, and God told me to get out in my car and go say X, Y, Z to this group of young adults that got out. And that's early in the morning. They didn't see me in the car. They got out with their six-pack of beer, and they went over there. They, they, they enjoying the lake like I'm enjoying it. We just got different motivations. And God said, go say X, Y, Z to them. Now, you listen. God don't always make sure stuff clear to me, okay? So I don't want y'all to start thinking, ooh god talking to him like that there are sometimes god tell me something and it's clear as crystal as day this was one of those times and so i sat in the car debating with god should i go should i go no god i'm gonna look stupid and the question become well but if god's telling you to do that can you look stupid and so i got out the car i resolved okay i'm just gonna look stupid i go over to the young adults and i say and they think i'm the police and i'm not, I'm not the police i'm not the police And I say, hey, this may seem strange to y'all because it didn't make sense to me. I didn't tell him that. But God told me to tell you X, Y, Z. Now, you know, think about that. Okay, you be sitting at the beach and somebody walk up to you talking about God told you to say X, Y, Z, right? So I went over there and said it. And one young man said, that's for me. That's for me. My aunt has been talking to me about the same thing. So me and that young man began to talk about the Lord. I was like, I don't really know what God's trying to tell you, but I'm telling you, he told me this. And so I began to minister to that young man, right? I got back in the car and I began to weep. Because I was like, God, okay, I know I didn't know what you was up to. I had no idea. But God was teaching me an important lesson. He said, follow me. Follow me doesn't come with me getting to do what I want to do, even though sometimes I don't understand what God is up to. Following means follow. So I want you to look at the second half of verse 17 again. I will show you how to fish for people. Fishing for people and fixing people are not synonymous. I had to come to grip with this. Fishing for people means people that are preoccupied with attracting people to our Lord. Fixing people means I want to talk to you about all the brokenness in your life before you meet the Lord. There is a difference. And God began to teach me. And as I read this verse, I want to emphasize that because sometimes we set in on telling people what they can't or what they can do. You shouldn't drink this. You shouldn't smoke that. Everything that we did before Jesus or some of y'all did. I know some of y'all was hitting it all, right? In this place, everything that happened was happening. Somebody in here, not just me. But here's the thing. God's called us to reach people. The thing that I had to learn that I tell you today that I think all of us has to learn is that God is interested in us catching fish, not cleaning fish. You never get to clean fish before you catch it. So if all I'm worried about is what you're doing, why should a sinner not act like a sinner? Why am I worried about all the stuff you do that's broke? One of the things I love about what I get to do is people come over to the forge with everything going on in their life. They don't come over to the forge like they do churches at times where they try to act like I got to clean myself up. Man, they come in. If I'm under the influence, I'm under the influence. If I'm mad and fight and I come in using language, I might not walk into the church. None of that stuff matters to me we get a chance to talk to people about how, God, how much God loves them. And, y'all, that's the beauty of being salt and light. You need to let the Holy Spirit do the convicting of sin. You need to be preoccupied with revealing how much God loves people because that's how God brings people into relationship with himself. I vividly remember the December in 1983 where I walked into a church because I didn't grow up in church, so a lot of the customs in a black church are foreign to me. I might be in my 60s, but some of the stuff that we do old is like old to me. Possibly because I've been hanging out with teenagers since my 20s. I love hanging out with teenagers. But one of the things that I could not escape when I was in that church was when I heard how much God loved me. That floored me. So I believe in a setting like this, there's going to be somebody in this room that's struggling with the concept of what it looks like to serve God in a church context. (laughs) How do I, based on what I know I did, make myself available to God? I'm convinced I ain't the only one that came into church with some stuff, and I ain't the only one struggling with can God use me. I vividly remember in my late 20s being asked by one of the pastors at my church to speak to the youth. And I made all kinds of excuses on why I couldn't do it eventually one of the pastors who was my parents age took me out to lunch and he said dana if god couldn't use people who had passed for sinful lives that had sin in their past he wouldn't have nobody to use i had to sit there and process that wait a minute what, what are you saying pastor you got some form of sin he said everybody got some form of sin. Everybody, He said, it don't matter what we get to do today. We don't do what we do today because we had holy lives or we so righteous. We do what we do today because God called us out of darkness into light and he called us to be light so people could come in a relationship with him. And it was incredibly liberating for me because I was stuck. Even though I would tell anybody I had been forgiven of my past sins, it took just this much for the enemy of my soul to make me feel disqualified. One of the downsides of being a preacher, and I'm going to be honest with you right now because my wife ain't in here, I can get away with it, is having to be on a platform like this and having some young lady walk in this room that you knew in an inappropriate way. And you finna sit up here and talk to people about God and you got to look over here to the left is somebody that you should have never known. Not like that. I'm telling you, it, it, the, the, the devil will kick you from pillar to post making you remember the past. But glory be to God, this is what happened to me in that conversation with my pastor. He helped me understand Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6. Paul was talking about all the crazy stuff people do outside of God. And then he got to verse 11 and he said, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. I am not who I used to be. It doesn't eliminate what I did, but I am not who I used to be. And I no longer need to be held captive by it. That was the power of the teacher's words. That was powerful. She told those students, the person you were before this moment, that person's turn is over. Now it's your turn. That's the whole reason she had them take a toast from change. It's much like we take communion that reminds us of what the Lord did for us, and they're not the same at all. Please understand, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying there's a psychological factor that goes into place that I know that I am not what I used to do, I am not who I used to be, and I need to walk in the freedom of that, and I need to make sure when I sing a song like Being Available that I am available because of what he's done in my life. Not because of my past failures. I'm available because of what God has done for me. I found myself doing what I do now for the last three decades. And I tell people all the time, I never forget running Kids Across America. It's a real big ministry. And a guy asked me, man, how'd you get in that role? (laughs) I didn't know how to take that, to be honest. I was like, is that an insult or (laughs) is that a question? I'm not quite sure. How did you get to be in that role? The camp was big. I had over 600 employees that answered to me. So I got this point. It was a big operation, multi-million dollar operation. But I got to be in that role for one reason. Follow me. Follow me. I didn't get to be in a role. I didn't apply for that job. I didn't apply for the job I got right now, by the way. They came and found me. And when we took this job, we were looking at four ministries around the country that were recruiting us, and we prayed and felt like this is what God was calling us. And the truth be known, I used to joke about the third ward. Every time y'all came to camp, and I would be like, the third ward in the house, including this church, and they'd be like, woo, 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 and I'd tell them, lock your stuff up, hide your purse, your mugs from the third ward here, you know, your stuff come up missing in the cabin, and they'd be like, Dana, you're wrong, you're wrong, and this is exactly what God brought me. To the third ward and I will let you in on this my cousins from the third ward welcomed me by coming in my house and sharing some of my possessions they did it though when I wasn't home they just thought they should have some of my stuff right and I said well God you got a sense of humor, and I've been cracking on them forever and so be it so be it but here's the thing I am who I am and I do what I do because of that one issue follow me Everybody has to resolve that one issue. Paul in Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word for workmanship comes from the word poema, which means that which is made. None of us struggle with this because what we know to be true is that everything made was made for a purpose. So if we truly believe everything God made and he made for a purpose, the question that all of us has to be asking is, well, God, what is my purpose? Why, God, am I here? And why, God, or how, God, do you want to use my life? I want to suggest that Scripture makes it clear. If you look at it in its totality, there are two things that's universal to everybody under the sound of my voice. Our purpose is to know God and to make him known. It's as simple as that. You want to know what your purpose is? To know God and to make him known. I'm standing before you because a couple of guys I played college football with kept inviting me to church and it was in church where I heard the truth of the gospel and I began this faith journey. John chapter 17 says it this way. This is Jesus speaking. Now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sinned. Knowing God is private and personal. Making him known is public and purposeful. I'm telling you, early in my faith journey, there was a whole lot of things I didn't understand. But what I couldn't reconcile was can I follow God and not follow God? I kept looking at that question over and over again because I met so many Christians that kept telling me I'm in Jesus, I love Jesus, but God can't tell me what to do. When I first went down to that housing project, the very guys that, I, that took me to church to trust in Jesus wouldn't come to the housing project with me. I, I didn't get that, y'all. They were blacker than me when you look at complexion. They grew up in the hood just like me. But they weren't going around them industrial-strength Negroes. Oh, no, that's that's next-level stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all know you got some relatives like that, and perhaps some of y'all like that. Y'all ain't going around them right now. But if God says, follow me, what do we do with it? I don't know. It's the question that I think everybody has to answer. Is it possible to follow Jesus but not follow Jesus? Let me say that again. Is it possible to follow Jesus but not follow Jesus? I'm going to suggest that it is. That it's possible to embrace God's call into relationship while resisting or rejecting his call into service. I'm going to do the relationship piece. Man, I ain't down with that serve thing. As I close, there's one final thing I want to point out in that scene that stood out to me. Somehow this teacher, Mrs. G, created a safe space that made those students open about where they were, authentic about their brokenness, yet hopeful about their future. It dawned on me as I watched this class that she had helped her students become, or she had created an environment for her students that in many ways had become what God wants for the church. A place people can come as they are, but not remain that way. She created that safe space in the classroom simply by being available. I wonder how many environments we're in that God could use us to create that same kind of space. That we create a safe space where people can come in relationship with us just like they are. They don't have to be fixed. They ain't got to have it all together. I ain't trying to deal with all all your sex issues, all your substance issues. I'm just I just love you because God does. There ain't nothing happening that we can name that God is caught by surprise. But nothing. I just wonder. God welcomes us as we are, and I had to come to grips with that. Particularly when I was wrestling with God using me on a public platform like this, when I knew I would have to face the failures of my past. One of the most liberating things that I was reminded by my pastor at that lunch. He said, Dana, God says through the Bible that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. I said, Pastor, how far is that? He said, exactly exactly. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has removed your sins. So don't let nothing in your past hold you hostage so God can't use you. You, God uses people with brokenness. The Bible says David was a man after the heart of God, and David was like Rick James. That brother, he didn't see a girl he didn't like. Y'all know who Rick James is. I'm going to keep it moving, right? But at the end of the day, God used David. And the beauty of Scripture is he lets us see his brokenness. I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm not at all. I'm just trying to remind you God works through broke people. But he only works through broke people that make themselves available. And everybody that's in this room, I would argue, is in this room one or two ways but you all got here the same way in a sense. Everybody got in this room indirectly or directly because God used somebody else to play a role in moving you to the place where you came into a worship environment. Just like I didn't show up at church on my own, I would argue that all of you, whether you was drugged to church as a kid or whether you came under your own free will as an adult, somebody, was making this seem like a welcome environment. And I would argue that that's the very thing God wants us to be doing today. That's what salt does, y'all. That's what light does. But we have to be with people to do it. John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, as I close this message out, I want to tell you that if it's one thing we know to be true about God, God loves people. And since the Bible is emphatic that all have sinned and fall short of his glory, then we don't have to wrestle with measuring the level of somebody else's sin. God has called us to be like him. being Christ-like means I'm available for God to use me in the life of someone else. Now, I was emphatic earlier talking about the gift of Cedric and the gift of Mario, which I appreciate so much because I come to church every week or nearly every week and I benefit from what they do. I only wonder how many people might be like me coming to church and benefiting from the gifts of others while sitting on the gifts and abilities they have. I want to invite you to wrestle with, is there a way God would like to deploy you? Is there a way God would like to deploy you? Ladies, let me pick on you for a minute because there's more of you. As a young man, when I started my ministry, let me tell you what I did. I'm going to confess. This is confession time, right? All right. Forgive me in advance. I used y'all. Uh-oh. How did I use you? I used you as bait. It's always more women in church than men. So as I was coaching these young guys, I was like, man, come on to youth group with me, man. There's a bunch of girls in the youth group. Whoop, whoop. You know fellas coming where they're girls, right? So I hung you out like bait to attract my young athletes to come to church. And it worked, by the way, it worked. I learned early on, you know, and and by the way, there was never a problem with it. Um, Speaking of that whole thing, I used my wife as bait too when we went evangelizing on the street. We got married young, so we didn't know no better. And we were standing out on the street in Chicago sharing Jesus, and so I would get away from her, stand about that far away, and she and some other girls would be out there singing. And they were all college age. And, you know, young, attractive girls will always attract men. I, any environment, it's like flies to whatever. <laughs> and when the guys came up, me and a couple other guys, we had backpacks on. Our Bibles was in the backpack. We'd make our way over there like we was looking at them, too. And the guys would be talking about, man, she's fine. I'm like, man, I feel you, boy. I feel you. Now, that's my wife I'm using like bait, right? And then we started asking the guys questions. I can't tell you how many times we got to talk to guys about the Lord and how many times guys actually prayed. Standing out on the corner, using women as bait. What am I getting at? I'm telling you, God wants us to be salt and light. I'm not telling you to do what we did when we was young and naive. I am telling you there is some place in society that God wants to use you. But you have to be in relationship with people and not all the people that think like you. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get some folks, as they rough around the edges, get out. I was talking to a lady one time in a a certain situation, and she started telling me about her wife divorcing her. And, uh, you know, I heard that loud and clear, and I said, man, you have to tell me about that. I didn't spend no time trying to tell her about that. I just wondered, man, until she meet the Lord, why am I going to have that conversation? I said, well, you have to tell me about that one day. And we started talking about her divorce. I ain't ever talked to her about, What I thought about that. She didn't catch God by surprise. And what's the difference in her raggedy lifestyle and mine before I met Jesus? So here's where I'm closing up with this. God wants to use you just like he wanted to use me. And I want to invite you today to stand to your feet and wrestle with this question. And I'm going to ask you, go ahead, stand to your feet. Wrestle with this question. What is it that God might be asking you to do? that might be outside your comfort zone? Who is it that God might be wanting to make himself known through you that you don't like? Some places you might not want to go. Or something God is telling you to do that makes no sense to you. Beloved, here's what I know to be true. We will never in this life understand everything about God. And so we will go to the grave where God saying things for us to do that we will still be trying to figure out what was that about. But what's vital is that we're available. Availability, I would argue, is the most important ability. And so as they begin to sing this song, I, will, I remind you again that if you are already in Christ Jesus, where this message meets you at is am I available to God being in relationship with him. If I'm not in relationship with Jesus, then I tell you today, the very thing that happened to me on that December Sunday, I want to invite you to. Because it was on that day that I discovered for the first time just how much God loved me. And he didn't love me contingent on me getting right. He loved me just like I was, much like we see that teacher doing in that scene. She, he loved me with everything I brought with me into that church that day. All my baggage, all my failure. I brought it all with me, and he loved me. And for the first time in my life, I understood that I knew Jesus died on the cross. I just didn't know he died for me. It was that day that I discovered the greatest love that has ever been known to man, the love of God. And so I want you to process that today, because if you have not discovered that, We want to make sure the prayer folks come up. The altar is open. We want you to place trust in him. It was the most life-changing thing I did was put my trust in Jesus. But for the rest of you who know Jesus, I want you wrestling with availability to Jesus. Because that's an important thing to do.